Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas continues our series, Relationship Goals, and talks about agape love. We look at John 13, verses 34 through 35, and talk about how agape love looks like trust, communication, commitment, and integrity. Dallas talks about how Jesus is the perfect example of agape love, and how we should pray daily that he would help us love others like he does. We hope you enjoyed this message. Good morning once again. We are in the last week of February, which also means we are in the last week of our February series, which has been called Relationship Goals, right? And no, we have not been talking about dating for the last time. Quit saying that we have, all right? Uh, And we're not going to talk about it today, but if that is like on your mind a lot, or eventually we know that it will be, all of these principles about relationships and love can be applied uh, to any future relationships down the line for you. So what we have been talking about, though, is week one, we started talking about where love comes from and learned that it comes from God. In fact, God is love. See 1 John chapter 4 for a little more on that, or you can go back and listen to any of the podcasts or watch any of the YouTube live streams over. Uh, week two, we, we were talking about friendships and our relationships with our friends, and we talked about four marks of healthy friendships things that we want to uh, have in our own lives, like be a part of our character, and things that we want to have be a part of the character of our friends or of our future friends. In week three, we talked about our families. We talked about the relationship that we have with our families and said that right now we are building a foundation for uh, our families, a foundation either on rock or on sand, and that in some way, shape, or form, the small and big decisions that we make today are affecting our family that we're currently a part of and that we will one day be a part of. Yes, I know you're in middle school, but one day, uh, hopefully, you will have a a family like of your own, right? And so uh, we have been talking about all kinds of pieces related to relationships, related to love. Again, you can go back and listen or watch any of these messages from, from the past few weeks. And this week, we are ending the series by talking about uh, something I've mentioned a few times, and that is agape love. Everybody say agape. Agape. It is one of the words for love that is used in the old, or sorry, in the New Testament uh, of our Bibles, which is where a lot of the uh, like the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the letters uh, to the Romans, to the Corinthians, a lot of the books that you guys are most familiar with come from the New Testament. So, if you will, go ahead and turn your Bible to John chapter thirteen. That's where we're going to be this morning for a couple of verses. And as you're turning there, maybe at some point during this series, you've had thoughts like this, or you've said it, or somebody said it in your small group. And, you know, we've been talking about love, we've been talking about friendships and family stuff, and uh, I'm going to move this so I can see you guys over here. Um, And maybe you've thought, I I wish that that my relationships could be like that, right? Like, I wish if that's what love is, if that's, if love really comes from God, then I, then I wish I could experience that kind of love with God and with my family, with my friends. Like, I, I wish that the people around me, myself included, would be more willing to forgive or would be more willing to just listen and just be there. Like, maybe at some point during the series, you've said all of those things that we're talking about, discussing in small groups, singing about, I wish that those things were real. I wish that love really was that way. And, and you wish that your relationships were like that because right now maybe they're, maybe they're not. And ultimately, it's not just you who wishes that your relationships were better or were, were close to perfect, right? 
But it's it's really like the whole world wishes that we had better relationships. Like we we wish that friendships were what they're supposed to be. That marriages and families and whether it's a, a relationship with a coach or a teacher or somebody you work with, we all wish that our relationships were what they were supposed to be. We wish that love really was what love was meant to be. But there's a, a place, it's, it's kind of from the very get-go, that, that is maybe at the root of why love isn't what it's supposed to be. Why we so often fail to love others well and be in relationship with each other well. And it's because we don't quite understand what love is in the first place, right? Like week one, we talked about that it comes from God and definitely our culture does not believe that, buy into that, uh, see that to be true. But there's, there's another part of the culture that, that kind of is a lie and, and a huge flaw in the way that we think about love. And it's this, that for the most part, our culture believes that love is a feeling, that love is all about how you feel. It's, it's just an emotion. And, and sometimes you can fall in love with people, right? This is maybe one of the biggest places where it's an emotion, a feeling. You can fall in love with people, but then there's times where you fall out of love, right? And that is solely based on your emotions. Well, I feel in love with this person, so I must have fallen in love. I'm not sure I love this person anymore. I must have fallen out of love with them, right? It's a feeling. It's, it's, it's an emotion, and it leads to broken marriages, it leads to busted up friendships, because at one moment you guys were on the same page and you had this common ground and you just were feeling so good about this friendship, and then you like heard something about them and you're like, oh, I don't, that, that doesn't sound like the person I knew. Man, maybe, maybe they're not the friend I thought. And, and we let our emotions control instead of, here's what love actually is. Love is not a feeling. Sometimes love can come with feelings, but love is an action. Love is a, a verb. In fact, there's a, a song, I think, from the 90s by a band called DC Talk called Love. Love is a verb. Uh, go search that song on YouTube and wonder why people listen to it slash like maybe you'll really like it because it's kind of old school. But, but love is a verb. It's, it's an action. And here, again, here's why that's so important because if love is just a feeling, well, feelings come and go. They're like the weather. One day your feelings are super sunny and then the next day you get a whole straight week of rainy feelings, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. And so if that's what love is, and, and we're supposed to like live out whatever the feeling is, then of course we're going to be all over the place. Of course we're going to have broken love, broken relationships, broken families all over our culture if love is just a feeling. But feelings are easy, right? Well, if it's just about a feeling, then, then I wake up. I don't have to really do much with my feelings. They're just kind of there, and then I run with them. Whereas actions, if, if love really is an action then it takes work, it takes time, it takes effort. It takes a lot more than just the comings and the goings of the weather. If love is an action, then no matter what my feelings are, I'm going to take steps towards that person. If love is an action, then no matter if it's a rainy day or a sunny day, or a, yeah, a sunny day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move towards that person. And if you're like, I don't know. I don't know if love really is an action. Like, these butterflies that I'm feeling, that's got to be real, right? Let's, let's see kind of how Jesus treats love. This is John chapter 13, right? That's where I asked you to turn a minute ago. It's going to come up on the screen. And this is towards the end of Jesus' time on earth. It's right before he would go to die on the cross. 
It's some of the last words that he would have said before his death to his closest friends, to the disciples, right? And maybe you've been in a situation like this, not where you were giving your last words, right? But maybe you've experienced the death of a loved one, whether it's a grandparent or uh, maybe somebody even closer to you could, could have even been a parent, right? Or, or a friend. And it's, it's the last time that you get to spend with them and you know it. And that's kind of the situation that the disciples are in with Jesus. They, the disciples don't quite fully understand it, but Jesus knew this is going to be the last time that we're really together, that I have a moment to speak to you. And so the last words that come from whoever that person is, their mouth are probably going to be pretty valuable. It's not going to be like, man, I love Oreos, right? Like that, let me leave that parting statement with you. Oreos are great and the regular kind, double stuffed are too, right? Like that's probably not what they're going to be saying to depart wisdom to you, although that is an important part of life, okay? We understand. But it's probably going to be something way more significant. And that's what Jesus does with his disciples. And one of the things that he says to them is found here in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Let's see what Jesus says. You probably already know that it's about love, all right? Jesus says to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. All right, let's break this down. Jesus, one of the things he's last saying to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, all right? So again, we just read through this. We already know the rest of what he's going to say. Some of you are already like, what? Why is this so groundbreaking? Why is this such a big deal? His disciples would have been sitting there. They would have been waiting for this, this new commandment, right? Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. And they're probably like scooting kind of to the edge of the floor that they were most likely sitting on. And they're like, what's Jesus, what's he going to say? What's this new commandment? They've been with Jesus for about three years now. They've heard him teach a bunch of things that we now read about in the Bible. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him multiply food, right? They've seen him do all these wild things. And they're starting to get the hint that, hey, maybe this guy really is the son of God. For some of them, maybe it's connecting more than others. But, but Jesus, they know that he's, he's a man of some importance, and, and they're leaning in like, okay, if he's going to share something new that we've never heard of, then we better take note. So Jesus, a, a new commandment I give to you, here's a new commandment, that you love one another. Some of you in the room are, are maybe kind of feeling it like, why is that, why is that new, Right? Well, it doesn't stop there, but let's pause there for a minute. For most of us, this idea of loving each other, like that's a pretty basic thing. We sing about it in songs that, that aren't even uh, Christian songs, right? It's, it's in other songs. Of course, we should love the world and, and peace and harmony and all those kinds of things. And we've grown up with that kind of being the idea. And the disciples had probably heard Jesus say this before too, to, to love each other, right? Why was this such a big deal? Well, part of the reason this is such a big deal is the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. He uses this word agape. Again, everybody say agape, agape. And this is one of the four words for love that was used in the New Testament, all right? 
There was a word for friendship love. There was a word for brotherly love or like love between family members, between siblings. In fact, it's phileo. So anytime you hear uh, of the city Philadelphia, all right, that comes from the Greek word phileo. And they call Philadelphia the city of brotherly love, all right? So uh, there's a little Greek for you in in real life. Uh, So phileo is like brotherly love. There was a love for like physical love. And, And then there's this love, agape love, these four types of love. And the one that Jesus says is agape love, the one that he chooses and he chooses for a reason is agape love. Why is that a big deal? Well, if you were here the first week, I kind of started touching on it, that agape love is the highest form of love. Like he's not just saying, hey, I want you guys to love each other like friends, even though that'd be kind of nice. Or I want you guys to love each other like brothers or like siblings, or like family members, even though that kind of be nice too. Like he chooses the highest form of love to say, hey, here's how I want you guys to live. Here's how I want you to love. It's to love with godly love. To love with love that is unconditional. To love with love that is always willing to forgive. To love with love that is willing to confront even when it's difficult. To love with godly love love. And Jesus doesn't just stop there, right? But he says, so a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. And this is where it would have started settling in and hitting home, jaws on the ground. What? Okay, we were, we were kind of fine with like loving one another. We, like we've actually heard that part before. But then Jesus adds this part, just as I have loved you. Agape love, the highest form of love. Okay, yeah, we'll shoot for that. But then Jesus gets really practical and says, hey, no, no, no. I'm not just talking about like this idea of what that love looks like. But I'm telling you, I want you to love the other guy in this room. You're... you're your brothers, your family, your, your best friends. I want you to love people just like I, Jesus, have loved you. For the three years that we've been together, I want you to love other people just like that. So they would have thought back to all the ways that Jesus was compassionate with them. That when Jesus was going from point A to point B and he was interrupted by someone, that he didn't just shoo them away, but he let himself be interrupted. The times where Jesus was willing to touch and heal and listen to the people that the rest of society had outcast. The times when Jesus was confronting people in love. They would have thought about all of the ways, the actions, the how-tos, the verbs of how Jesus loved other people. And they probably would have been, in some ways, trembling in their boots like, how in the world are we supposed to love like that? We'll answer that question in a few minutes, but I want to stay here for a minute on Jesus's love, this agape love, the highest form of love. What did it look like? Matt Densky, our student pastor, this is the first person that I've at least seen this helpful tool from. He has kind of narrowed uh, agape love into four different things. It's called the agape love quadrant, and we're going to put it on the screen piece by piece in just a moment. But these are Four things that we see in the life of Jesus and in how he loved and interacted with people. And these are the, the four things that in, in some way Jesus is inviting his disciples into. Hey, love one another like this. 
and that he's inviting us into even a couple thousand years later in this room. So what's the first thing that we see in Jesus' life? Uh, what's the first part of this agape love tri- tri- or quadrant? It's not a triangle. Agape love quadrant is trust. Trust. That in our relationships with each other, if we're going to have loving friendships and loving family uh, relationships and, and loving relationships with, it could be a coach or a teacher, if we're going to have relationships where we really are caring about each other, if we're going to love one another like Jesus, the first piece of that is trust. I mean, think about it. If you don't trust people, you're not going to want to share things with them. A lot of times, if you don't really trust somebody, especially if there's been a wound in the past, it's a reason you don't trust them. You're not going to want to hang out with them. You're not going to be around them. Trust is foundational to any healthy, loving relationship. And think about this, too. Trust, trust is not something, remember we said feelings are, they're, they're kind of easy. Like if love is just a feeling, you just follow your feelings. Trust is not easy. Trust is something that takes time to build, takes effort Takes, takes two people being involved, right? It's, it takes a lot to build trust. And on the flip side of that, how long does it take to build trust? Or how long does it take to destroy trust? No time at all. Have you ever thought about that? It takes a long time to build trust. Your, your friends that you have the most trust with, the people in your life that you have the most trust with, is because you've been through some stuff together. You've spent time together. You've built trust over a long period of time. But on the other side of that, trust can be broken with one swing of a hammer on that relationship, right? One false move, one thing said can bring so much of that trust crumbling down. Trust being built is not easy, but it is the first piece of, of truly having this loving, caring relationship with somebody. So are you somebody who is, who is trustworthy? Jesus modeled this everywhere he went. For some reason, people were just able to trust him. It was in his posture. It was in the way, people, uh, in the way that he talked to people. It was in the way that he treated people. People trusted Jesus. That's the first part of this quadrant. The second part is communication. That if you trust somebody, if you have kind of this foundation built, then you're going to be more able to talk with them, to communicate with them. But this isn't just like, hey, uh, do, you like, do you like pineapple on your pizza, right? Or like, hey, what do you think about the weather lately? This isn't just small talk communication. But if you really trust somebody, then you're going to be able to communicate with them about the victories and the defeats, the easy stuff and the hard stuff. You're going to be able to tell them the real things that maybe you haven't told anybody else. You're going to be able to confront them when there's something serious enough for you to confront and be confronted by them when it's on your end, right? And even if it offends or even if it hurts, this is real communication, the nitty-gritty, not just the the day-to-day small talk. And when there's trust, you'll see that all of these things kind of build on each other. When there's trust then you're more open to have those hard conversations in the communication piece. So trust, communication. The next one is commitment. And at some point in this relationship, as you've built trust, as you've communicated that that there comes this time where you're you're all in. Like, hey, I'm I'm your ride or die. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not not leaving you hanging. Even if you betray me, like, I'm still going to be here to forgive you, still be here to love you, still be here to be your friend. Jesus modeled all of these. You can take a look at his life and maybe now as you're, maybe even as you're reading the CBR through Luke, if some of you jump in tomorrow, you'll see throughout Jesus' life places where he modeled these things. 
And the disciples would have been looking back and thinking on Jesus' life and seeing it clearly. We can do the same. So trust, communication, commitment, and the last piece of this quadrant is integrity. Integrity. That you are the person that you say you are. That you do the things that you say that you're going to do. That you're, you're the same person when you're with this friend group as you are with this friend group. That you're same, the same person that you are at church as when you're left alone and it's just you in your room. Integrity is being who you say you are, doing what you say that you're going to do. Jesus was the, the person with the greatest integrity ever, period, right? He was exactly who he said he was. And he was that way all the time. So this is the agape quadrant. And again, all of these things kind of build on each other. Jesus models all of these things for us. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I mean, all those sound great, but they also sound really hard, right? Like, how can I always be trustworthy? How can I always, you know, have the good communication? How can I always, all of these things, how, how is that possible? Jesus modeled it, but, but in the end, Jesus, he, he died on a cross and, and he ascended to be with the Father in heaven. And so he told us, he asked us, he invited us into this way of life, into this way of loving. But then he left. Thankfully, though, he didn't leave us alone. See, Jesus continues on in this conversation with his disciples, and eventually he tells them, hey, I'm going to leave you. Even though they didn't understand it, even though they didn't believe it yet, he tells them, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, I'm going to send a helper. That this way of loving, this way of living, it's, it's not possible with you just on yourself. But it is possible if I send this helper, which is the Holy Spirit. That how do you live any of this stuff out? If you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I know many of you have, and maybe, maybe some of you will today. That the Holy Spirit comes in some crazy, like we can't quite understand it, way that, that the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes to live within you. You are a temple of the Holy God. That he comes to live within you, to, to guide you, to remind you of Scripture, to comfort you, and to help you love like Jesus loved. So how, how do we do this? Well, we don't do it on our own. We don't do it just by simply trying harder. But we can do it by daily asking God, Lord, I know that I struggle to love, but yet it's what you've called me to do. Would you help me today? Give me words that love well. Would you give me actions and thoughts that love well? Would you help me love people today like you first loved me? That's what we're called to do. So what would happen if you started your day like that before school or before before your sports or before coming to church, before interacting with your family, what would happen if you and I started interacting with the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, help me love well today? It's what he's called us to do. It's what he models for us. And it's what the Holy Spirit wants to help lead us into. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for being the perfect example of what love looks like, agape love. God, I know that, that I fall short every day of loving people like you have first loved me. Help me, help us to lean into the Holy Spirit this week, even today as we go to lunch, as we go back to our homes, 
Help us to lean into you. Help us know what love looks like, what agape love looks like in all the situations we find ourselves in with all the different people we interact with. Would we be a more loving community that mirrors your love to the world? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.